you're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Voices of Value, episode 31, with my good friend Peter Kakos, Rick Rushton, here with a very special guest, Pete. We are right here in the heart of South Melbourne on the most magnificent deck, hashtag Gravia deck, yep. with, uh, with one of the most spectacular women, and just having a brief chat off air. Uh, really excited about today, Rick. It's an exciting time. We're at Gravia Media, for those who know South Melbourne, it's a beautiful part of the world, the Gravia Deck, hashtag Gravia Deck, make sure you check that out. That's uh, It's probably the, easily the best outside broadcast we've done, I think, in our 31 episodes today. Sounds but it's like, like we're on 3AW, I know, it? I feel like an OB, an outside broadcast, I like my terminology there, it's pretty yes. cool, isn't it? But it is a great pleasure to introduce to the microphone Vivian Ryan, who is the co-founder of Gravia Media. It's almost in its 10th year now, uh, and Viv, with her partner, Grant have built an amazing business that is built on some really strong pillars that you don't see every day in any business, let alone the marketing business, Pete, in terms of what we're going to share or what Viv's going to share with us anyway about how Gravia Media came to be. Uh, she's got a background in media with Channel 7, obviously uh, in production and, and media. Uh, I think it's fair to say she's got a pretty strong handle on you know, where the media space is today, where it's going in the future, where it's come from in the past, but most importantly, where she feels that the Gravia brand fits in with everyone's media sort of needs going forward. Viv, welcome to Voices of Value. Thanks so much for having me, Pete and Rick. It's a real pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure. It's one of these ones we wish we had a video because if you see the energy that just exudes from Viv, you can see why she's a, <laughs> an spectacular marketing person. Viv, just talk us through your journey to Gravia, which is obviously a, a company still in its infancy, but as I said in the introduction, built on some pretty strong pillars. Yeah, well, it's been an interesting ride as when you reflect on any sort of career pathway. Uh, it's certainly not where I thought I would end up. Um, I started off my career as a lawyer, um, trying to make sure that my parents were kept happy. And after a couple of years working for a top tier law firm in Sydney, and after researching some benign sort of change in legislation, I thought to myself, what the hell am I doing? And um, read some pr pretty pivotal books and um, opened myself up to new learnings at the time. Life coaching was really unknown back then, but I was fortunate enough to sort of be exposed to a woman who really had um, quite a huge effect on my life and gave me the confidence to take a leap of faith and move away from the legal industry and uh, found myself in Ireland working for Diageo, which owns Guinness Island Group, and um, marketed a beer, a white beer, which was uh, very interesting to try and uh, market a, a vice wheat beer in uh, in Ireland where they're staunch, you know, Guinness drinkers. Absolutely. So, but I was charged with the the duty of trying to to launch a whole new beer across the country um, with my promotional team and merchandisers, and basically got paid to drink for two years straight. <laughs> um, but at the same time, sort of exposed myself to the innovation side of of that business, which is phenomenal. And um, opened myself up to film and television and commercial uh, making and really found myself loving the marketing and PR side of the degree that I had actually done as well. So I'd, I'd done a comms degree and uh, combined laws degree 
and thought, well, this is where my home is. Came home after doing some film and documentary making on the side in Ireland and thought, this is really what I want to do. So then I ended up working um, for the likes of News Limited and Channel 7 and yep. then… Um, no Wiki Carbone. No Wiki Carbone ended up being the marketing manager for New Wiki Carbone. Had to get that one in for the great man. He uh, made sure I was… Uh, as soon as I plucked my name out of a, a barrel drawer, we'll talk about that another time. Keep going. <laughs> the great man, Tony Carbone. Tony Carbone. Who now has started his own uh, new law firm called Carbone Law. Um, who are also a client of Gravia Media. Correct. There's a little plug for you, Tony. There we go. Um, yeah, so really just then it was – Gravia Media was a culmination of all of my sort of career pathway experiences and I definitely believe that everything you do in life uh, – basically teaches you the lessons that you need to learn for where you are right now. Mm. So uh, Gravia Media was born out of a, a friendship that was forged with Grant and I at a conference in Hayman Island many, many years ago. Wow. And um, all good friendships are formed <laughs> in Hayman Island. <laughs> Hayman Island. And conferences. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he ended up being a mentor for me at Nawiki Carbone. Sort of, uh, he was sort of my backbone when I was – because when you're working as a marketeer on your own, particularly with lawyers, they look at life differently and, and I was very much um, wanting to make a real impact in the marketplace and, and really just turn the legal fraternity on its head in a staunchly conservative environment and um, I was fortunate uh, that Harry and Nuiki really trusted me with their brand and uh, they ended up selling that brand for $47 million to Slater and Gordon some years later, wow. which I did shed a tear over because I said to Tony, you know, we've really built this strong business and everyone, and I promised you when I first arrived that I would make this a household name and I delivered on that and now why are you doing this? But um, I guess that's just life really, isn't it? And um, and you've just got to really always look at the positives within that and, and clearly there were many. Um, and then, you know, starting Gravia Grant, I met him and I was so impressed with him and I said to him, you're so undervalued as a sales rep um, for a radio station back then. And I said to him, what do you really want to do with your life? And he said to me, I've always wanted to own my own agency. And I said, well, let's make that happen because as part of another iteration of myself, I was a, I was a life coach. And um, I said, well, let's get together and I'll help map that out and what that looks like for you. And we sort of did sort of vision boards and, and I sat with him sort of for a few weeks over a period of time. And, and when he said, look, I'm really confident to push the button, uh, he said, will you do this with me? And I was like... Yeah, let's do it. I was about to have my first child at the time and I'd finished at Nawiki Carbone and I said, well, let's just see where this experiment goes. And um, that was almost 10 years ago and um, and we're still here today. Can I, um, before we start to gloss over and get into the business philosophies of Gravia Media, which is um, you've built something absolutely phenomenal here. And, and as Rick said before, you can really feel the energy of this place, which is just amazing. Mm. I want to just delve into the life coach um, arm of what you just said because I certainly don't want to gloss over that because you've you've gone to Ireland, you said you had a life coach uh, and so forth. And it's interesting is that most people who start as a lawyer don't end up as a lawyer, isn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a fascinating yeah. industry. Well, we, I thank LA Law and um, <laughs> a few good men for that failure because even watching, I was watching um, Suits the other day and, and I just think, you know, the Americans have a lot to answer for about glamorising what the legal uh, environment <laughs> actually is like. It is incredibly dry. If you didn't put in 16 hours a day, you're on a holiday. In fact, that's what my governing partner told me as I was on departure. She said, don't oh, Vivian, it just seems like you're here on a holiday because I was leaving at 7.30 at night. I'm like, yes, I have a life to live and it's not easy. 
Yeah, law is my life. Brilliant. It just funds my lifestyle, and I'm not happy with it. At yeah, the I can't minute. say I look at you and get that that feeling of a lawyer. Of, of a lawyer that's yeah. for sure. It's a bit like um, I was disappointed I missed out on being an accountant. Could yeah. you imagine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're words you never really hear. No, no, <laughs> not together. I, I forgot that I didn't. But, but I, yeah, but I like to turn things on their head, though. So you could have done that with accounting as well. So. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, we'll get so to that one So how did you transition from being mm. sort of a student of a life coach to becoming a life coach? I think is the question. Yes, mm. I was so impressed with the learnings. I mean, as a as a young adult, I always had a hunger to learn, and I was faced with quite a bit of adversity growing up. And I think you can take adversity one in one of two ways, where you say to yourself. I'm going to learn the lessons and if I don't learn the lessons, these things will keep coming up for me until they're learned. Or you can sit and rock back and forth and play the victim card, which I had been exposed to for quite a period of time. And I took the former and that was through just really wanting to make changes, fundamental changes in the search for happiness because I think all of us uh, are put on this earth and I think sometimes misguided in what um, the journey of life actually should look like and all of us are told we need to seek happiness and I don't necessarily advocate that. Um, I think you need to search contentment and satiation um, and so with wanting to make those changes, the the life coach just opened me up to a whole new way of thinking and looking at life differently and wanting to make some fundamental shifts because at the time being a 23 year old working for a top tier law firm and being incredibly depressed mm. without that being sort of part of the vernacular of, of modern day society it wasn't a place where we spoke very openly about I thought well I have to make some changes because I'm 23 I've got so much to live for but there were times where I didn't really want to mm. um, so that took me overseas with my best friend where she and I had committed when we were at uni together that we would um, go on a sabbatical and and chase the sun and chase Europe and we did that for a few years and that's how I ended up going overseas but the switch from life coaching being a, a student to being a life coach I think as I, as I said, my hunger for wanting to learn and then being able to understand some of the life basics of mental strength makes you then become a teacher mm. and wanting to give back some of the things you've mm. learned. And unless you go through some challenges in life, you don't truly learn the lesson and then you don't have the ability to give back mm. to the world and to the people around you that you yeah. care about. Um, and there are new people that come into your life all the time that really can take a lot of value from you, you know, so... I think it was just a natural sidestep and it's it's the the light globe moments when you're walking along the street and I remember particularly um, one of my friends was walking with me to the tram stop in St Kilda and, and I was going to get another benign job and she said to me, oh, we had this life coach and at the time life coach wasn't the term so I, I must sort of correct myself from what I said earlier. It was an executive coach. Yeah. Um, and I said to her, I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, what's a life coach? And she said, oh, it's this person that helps you set personal goals. And this was quite some time ago. And again, it wasn't heard of. And I just, at that moment, I was, that's something that I really, really want to explore further. Mm. And so, you know, through the whole pathway of trying to discover yourself and your life purpose and what are your assets, what can you deliver, what makes you happy, that was one of those career pathways that I really wanted to explore and I did and then sort of, had a failed consulting <laughs> with it because I, was, I wasn't I was confident enough, to be honest. Mm. I was in my late 20s at the time and I was coaching 
a lot older people who were open to it and actually could afford the service but didn't have the confidence to feel like I was adding value to their world mm-hmm. even though I probably was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was one of those things that I learnt so much that, again, you bring into your day-to-day life personally and professionally. So, um, but, yeah, I just at the time, the timing wasn't right. It was too innovative. Yeah. Um, but I did do some really awesome things that I'm pretty proud of too. Well, good so, on you for yeah. breaking out of that rut anyway Thanks. and going to do that. I mean, that's... Mm. That's a massive comfort zone mm. shift, isn't mm. it? Absolutely. In that, in those early to mid sort of twenties, mm. especially of when you've got a career path mapped out for you, yeah. a pretty, yeah. pretty typical one that's going to make mum and dad very, very happy. A European mother that yeah. had no, you know, exactly. tertiary education that gave up everything to put me through school. Exactly. So, so Viv, just getting back mm. to that, I, I do want to talk about that because you said to make your parents happy, mm. you became a lawyer. Mm. Could we? Talk a little bit sure. about that yep. um, and, and tell us about your upbringing and, yeah. and how everything was sort of forged for you to uh, go down a certain path. Yeah, look, my, my mother's Maltese and um, she was orphaned very, very young. So she grew up in an orphanage in Malta um, from the age of I think it was about three. Um, she was a product of I think about seven or eight children and her father was a farmer and couldn't um, deal with raising all the children on his own so he put them into a Catholic orphanage herself and two of her sisters Um, and so mum you know she she had it really hard Mm. like when you hear about migrant stories she had it really tough being brought up by nuns and priests and at the age of 12 or 13, she wanted to leave the orphanage and um, there wasn't any real education there at all for her either and she was a bit naughty and um, <laughs> she broke a few rules and, you know, she tells me some of the punishments she had was being locked up in a bathroom with a turtle for two days, like wow. a big sea turtle. I mean, you just don't hear about this wow. um, as a punishment. And, um, Not unless you're a mermaid. No, no. <laughs> so... But then she went off and worked for one of the one of Malta's most wealthiest families um, as an eleven year old child. So she was the nanny, and um, and so she just really carved her way, saved all of her money, looked after three children. And one of the stories I love is when she when she first approached the door for this woman Frida, who was the wife of this very senior police officer anyway they were quite wealthy um she said my child you're a child yourself how can you look after my children and she said please just give me a go please you know so you know she then came over to Australia at the age of 16 saved all of her money and um and really just is a self-built millionaire my mum is you know she's she's from the streets of hard knocks and she taught me you've just you know determination and resilience and just keep going even when you don't feel like it. I learnt all of those tough lessons from her. Um, But being a migrant mother, her and I have had quite our differences because we do see the world quite differently. I like things pink and shiny. (laughs) Um, And she sees things quite negatively often, which can is a bit of a a problem for us at times and even to this day. But I do I do feel very grateful that I've had that and still continue to have almost like a, a poker, which keeps you sort of in alignment with what's important to you and um, and a framework to continually evolve from. Mm. And my father is, was the general manager of um, Repco Engine Parts for many, many years and so he exposed me to the real Aussie way of life, you know. Yep. 
um, fast cars, motorbikes, boating, you know, all of, you know, all of it, uh, the Australiana way of living and, um, and, and quite sensitive and mm. uh, very much the person I would speak to more so and still continue to do. We're very yeah. close. So, yeah. yeah. So the, mm. great this story. diamond here didn't fall too far from that cluster from no. her mum, did she? <laughs> what a beautiful mix has created mm. something incredible today um, in terms of your whole mindset and, and the way that you go about building a business. Mm. And which is a great segue into your business philosophy mm. here of uh, of Gravia Media. Mm. So there's there's a lot of media companies in the landscape and so forth. How do you how do you go about um, making Gravia Media different and and that place to be at? For me, it was recognizing early on the reason why I went into business with Grant because at the time when he was offering me to go into business with him, there was another contender, and I waited up and I said, well. What is the difference between the two? And with Grant, everyone wanted to be around him. His energy, his spirit. uh, He's an incredible salesperson but he does it with authenticity. For me, when you model a business on the two co-founders, it has the benefit of always maintaining that level of authenticity and I'm really big on that and have been um, since inception. You can't fail. Um, the lessons in marketing, and, and this is the thing I've spoke forever as a marketeer, if your internal messaging is distinctly different from what your external marketing is, then there's no synergy there and it's never going to work. Mm. One of the success stories of, of Nawiki Carbone brand was that I implored each and every staff member to make sure they understood the power of marketing and that marketing begins with every single staff member. So understanding understanding culturally how important it is to onboard staff in the same consistent manner, then having that echo through the internal marketing comms and to the external marketing environment, that when clients pick up the phone and call, there isn't any disconnect with what you're promising Mm. and what they're actually going to receive. So I'm a massive advocate for that. And through that learning and seeing how the success was transpired through that philosophy, employing that with Gravia Media has meant that that hasn't failed and hasn't been flawed. So we are massively uh, big on culture and alignment with ourselves, but at the same time bringing in people that obviously offer different skill sets and I'm a, again a, another big ambassador for bringing in people who are smarter than you too but the foundation has to be along the lines of the things that make us tick and make us different from the people down the street yeah, yeah. and your core values are very clear and everybody comes here knows them exactly and and lives them more importantly and one of the clever shortcuts with gravia pete is they don't train their people to be nice they're just hire nice people <laughs> they don't train their people to be Great polite shortcut. and um, authentic they just make sure they're they don't hire the cv they hire the person and i i've seen that firsthand despite that one of my good friends works here so i don't <laughs> quite know how he slipped through the news no he's a great guy um but you know in terms of that viv we hear all the time you've got to be a better market of what you do than a doer of it and that automatically sounds like a disconnect to me it's almost like put yourself out there as being world class when you're actually probably very average in certain fields you guys seem to have a very select criteria about how you take on clients and then what you offer them in terms of you know it's not just a media campaign for x dollars it's yeah, we're going to have so many value adds along the way if you're someone who fits into our parameters. Do you want to talk through that a little bit? Yeah, again, you know, when we were setting up the business, for me, it was making sure we were a true external partner, ex- true external marketing partner. So small to medium size to bigger businesses could come in. If they didn't have a, a marketing department, we would be it. So ensuring that 
you stood in the shoes of the stakeholder knowing how important every dollar is and making sure you delivered as a supplier, as a partner uh, to ensure that they're getting their KPIs delivered and every dollar that they spend, you spend as if it's your own. And and that's what we've maintained the whole way through, which is why then we set up uh, our subsidiary company, Distress Rate Media. It's not yep. This is not a plug, but no, no. it also feeds into the, the philosophy. It fits, it fits yeah. your whole business model. Yeah. I think this is a great way. So explain it. Because each of us have come from the direct side. So we've all been reps on some level. So we know how much we can push the rate. Um, and then you sort of switch out between understanding from a supplier point of view how far you can push them but then from the client side knowing whether or not you're actually marrying up with the synergy that they required to achieve the outcome at the rate that you would spend if that was your money. Yep. Mm. Um, so really with Distress Rate Media we get all of the um, unsold inventory across all of our suppliers to on sale to our clients but you get that on a weekly basis mm. at a much discounted rate because it's if it's not grabbed it's not going to be taken right? and so it's so exciting when you've got brands that don't have huge budgets and they see themselves up in lights whether yeah. it's on television or in the outdoor space because they're nimble enough and they yeah. trust us enough to kind of go well this is this is very much a part of the strategy that we would love to employ so it's always it's that switch in and switch out okay as a client this is what i would want yeah. for my brand so understanding the psychology of what that is so again your internal comms and uh, and knowing their value system and then delivering it from the other side because then as the conduit you can push without affecting their brand. Yep. Yep. So um, that's been one of the things that you know we're incredibly proud of uh, because we've been able to maintain and I do truly believe that's one of our point of difference. But the other thing is when you, know, you sit in front of a client, it's really hard to tell them to trust you mm. because trust is not told, it's earned. Yep. So these are the things that take time where, you know, it's it's an intuition that people have and, and, and most people make decisions without even understanding why they do it. Um, yes, on paper it, the costs say this but really I really want to work with that person because I believe and I trust them. Mm. But it is hard as an agent because I always hated agents as a rep. It was so <laughs> mean to me. <laughs> and I've always – and that's the other thing I said to the guys. Every time someone comes in, yep. you always make them feel welcome. And that's the wog in me. Excuse yeah. me if I offend anyone, but I can say it because I am one. <laughs> but anytime someone would come to my house, you know, do you want a coffee? Yeah. Would you like a tea? Make them feel welcome and invariably – we get that all of the time from from people that come through the doors because we have built a community and mm. I'm so proud of that. And the yep. reason why we've done it is because as a rep going to visit agencies, bigger agencies, I was always made to feel so unwelcome. Mm. And I'll be sitting there and I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, but I have something of value to offer them. So without me, they don't have something to sell to their clients. How are they going to make money? And I'd be sitting there and I just really want to be somewhere else. Yep. So I said to Grant, I never want to make people feel like that mm. because if you onboard everyone and create this community of worth, yep. of value, then it comes back twofold from suppliers and from clients. And those people who, who aren't interested in it have a funny way of just not being in yeah. our community. It's really interesting um, the power of that connectivity. Yeah, <laughs> you, but you've built that environment and, and it's a win-win-win. Mm. Like the client wins, the supplier wins mm. and you win because mm. everyone's getting – and as a, as a customer, I'm saying, well, I'm getting 10% more for my ad campaign without actually having to put my hand in my pocket. How good's that? 
your suppliers are coming and saying, hey, Viv, if you could actually fill this space here, that's going to keep me very comfortable in my role and tick off my KPIs here. And here at Gravia, we go, we win because that's what we're in business to do. It's not You've about You've got us. it in one. You've got it in one, Rick. Thank you. That's in, do you uh, want to come Mike, and work yeah, with us? Mike, uh, Mike, 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 Mike Drop. for today. Yeah, look, yeah, <laughs> welcome, everybody, and thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike Drop. But that's the, it, isn't it? Hmm. It really is. And, and understanding that... But also, as I said, I'll keep going back to I just never I'd never had an, a desire to run an agency because the connotation around that mm. is nothing that I ever felt comfortable with, and certainly never wanted to no. um, cultivate it within my work environment. But the insight that you gain from being on the other side has obviously made you far better in the position you're now in. Would that correct? A hundred percent. It's it's about knowing what you don't want. Yeah. You know, and then learning and navigating your way through what you do want. Because at the end of the day, too, because we have such big hearts, we can often and and early doors, we were giving away a lot of IP for free in order yep. to prove ourselves. And and we we always were the underdog and and wanting to change things up. And in so doing, you you question your value and didn't charge for it. Mm. So um, now we're a lot more confident in our service delivery, and because we've had proven results through so many different campaigns. Again, I'm not going to spruik us, but you no, know, no. then no, you do. then you no, know no, then you know then you know your worth, and you know okay, well this 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 seemingly simple creative concept has the capacity to change a business mm. from zero yep. to exponential and yet we haven't had a stake in it but the stakeholder has and value it but it can go on for eternity because you've sold concepts because you thought it was a good because there's a lot of intelligence here from you know from our creative department michael prince he comes up with these amazing things and grant as well is incredibly creative too but he would hate me telling you that no does sam do anything here sam Sam, sam's great wallpaper yeah he's great wallpaper Uh, i just saw him walking around the office before yeah he's just looking looking busy he's He's putting toner in the photocopier he's trying to look at the water bottles and see if they need to be filled up but no sam sam is single-handedly um, oh, let's not cultivated the culture that we've always aspired to achieve long term. Well, he so came from uh, he came from a fairly massive background mm. in terms of that, which mm. is uh, you know spent most of his former career at Crown. But uh, it's a great point to um, way to start a business plan is to, as you said before, identify the things you don't want mm. in your business, and then and then start to build it on on those things that you do want. Mm. And you clearly had some clearly defined messages of the things that we don't want to, you know, bring into gr- the gravier space, so to speak. Mm. What I love, Viv, is is your personal touch, and and it's come through in a lot of things you've said here, especially in terms of if it was my money, what would I do? Mm. If it was my company spend with with the ad spend, what would I spend it on? Mm. How would I do it? How would I get more bang for buck? And you do treat it like your own, I guess. What what a lot of businesses face is getting too big where you lose that personal touch. Mm. This Gravia Media to me is it well and truly has that personal touch. At what stage do you think, you know, that that could, you know, become a bit too much in terms of that personalised touch or is that just not even on the realm of possibility for Gravia? I think anything is possible but I think if you stray too far away from the things that make you successful, then you need to reevaluate your values again and the direction of the business. So if that's the the direction that we decide as a team that we want to go in because we are unable to have our personal touch on, then that's something we have to come to terms with. I would have to say at this point, I don't see things changing mm. um, in the immediate future, but you you don't know. Uh, but my philosophy is to teach people how we do things and sort of you have yeah. that mentorship program where 
you try and do your best to ensure that that travels down the channels. So to be fair to say, if things were to change, people would have plenty of notice and yeah, conversation. And I think that's exactly right. And that's what I was trying to allude to is yeah. the fact that businesses change and they grow and they go a bit off kilter without anyone knowing in no. the team. That just doesn't seem like that would be a possibility here. Well, anything, as I keep saying, anything's possible, but they're often dictated by the environment too. Is that as important to people in, say, five to ten years? Who knows? I mean, mm. certainly nobody would have... Uh, really understood some of the nuances that are really important in in business today that 20 years ago were never really considered. Mm. I mean, if you think about 20 plus years ago, a marketing department was fluffery. Now it's an integral part Mm. of of a functioning business. So, you know, everything's always evolving and changing and then understanding what the market is demanding and and where the environment environmental factors are going to affect the way in which you do business. And speaking of that, and I've been in this building, Pete, when there's been dogs walking around. <laughs> yeah. and bring your dog no to doggy a, today. No, bring your doggy to Gravia Media yeah. Day and things of that nature. But um, just looking at the landscape, it seems to be an evolving beast, this whole, you know, from a global macro sense to a micro, sort of hyper-local sort of sense. Um what sort of impact are you seeing social media in terms of Facebook advertising and those sorts of things affecting tr- more traditional media that you, you know, the space that you operate in more often? I think the well-informed stakeholders or marketeers would understand that that social media is a part of the, the media mix. Is it as important? It's ever-changing. I have opinions on it. Other people will have other opinions. For us, the mark of a brand that will always resonate and have brand awareness will never deviate from above-the-line advertising. And by that I mean band, brands are built in television, they're built in radio, they're built in outdoor, they are supported by uh, communications that happen below the line. But really brands are made famous by taking that communication that exists below the line into above the line space and that often happens through a PR piece. So, for example, there's a new clothing company for women that's only just doing Facebook advertising or social media because that's where their budget allows and that's where their success comes from. A PR person or a journalist might pick up on that and then they have a segment on the project. What makes them famous is the project. So, you know, that's my belief and I'll stand by it. I... um, Whilst social media is an offering of ours, it's not one thing that's actually singularly going to maintain no, your business. No. So mm. it sounds like there's got to be many pieces to your media or branding sort of space there and you've just got to you know, make sure you're allocating the right amount. So it was really more about the competition side because we mm. see that internet sort of, you know, was in our industry, Peter, in terms of real estate, was going to kill print media, but mm. it's still It's still surviving. Still yeah, exactly. well, it's it's so all about and strategies rather than all strategies, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. But that's where it's really important to partner with people that understand where to invest your money because the pot just keeps getting bigger and bigger and there's always somebody that's inventing the next best, best thing to advertise. So, you know, it's really just understanding and, and partnering with people uh, like us that have your best interests at heart and, and can actually try and stretch a dollar further. And maybe just so that our listeners are aware, when we're talking Gravia Media, we don't want them to just think you're just dealing with some average, like just reel off some of the companies that you represent in the marketplace from Simmons Home, uh, Homes as an example that, that's close to our, our, our sort of industry, some, some of the companies you sort of represent. So we have the likes of Reflex, which is one of uh, Australia's most I saw some of that copy brand. paper. And, you did, yeah. um, they've had a very successful campaign mm. with us and we love those stories. And Annie. She's uh, yeah, Annie, she's, she's 
phenomenal. Um, Gami Chicken, which is a Korean chicken and beer. Choice Hotels, a number of retailers. Woodard's Real Estate. Sorry. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, only, we'll just edit that one. <laughs> only joking. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, um, MIMT, um, I'm just trying to think, Builders Academy, obviously Carbone Lawyers yep. who've come back to us after uh, their sabbatical period. Um, you yeah, s- you star in one of their ads too, just quietly. Well, on as the a star, I'm like a you know, I'm an extra. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I think without you, that ad me. would just be no, 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 no good. Viv, what um, looking back at all these brilliant campaigns that you, you've run, do you have a standout? Do you have a favourite? Yeah, look, um, I have a couple. How do I disseminate? Look, just tell us can, both. Can you can you give me can you give me a little bit? Um, because <laughs> recently the reflex campaign. Annie, we worked with, she's the CMO, she's a phenomenal woman. We worked together on creating an innovative approach to selling what is in effect an A4 piece of paper. And, you know, how do you market one piece of paper over the other it's and how say, you fold it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always about how you fold it. <laughs> and particularly in a digital era where there's, you know, the millennials are very anti paper. And so she came to us with a different concept. She said, I, I really want to show diversity. And we were like, oh, okay, what do you – anyway, so she – she collaboratively we created an amazing campaign that had a lot of diverse uh, looks and tones and there wasn't a television commercial that we shot with that. So it's very hard to tell a story when you're trying to, to, to deliver lots of different messages and but ultimately sell paper. And, yeah, I mean, they've just they've, – they've had exponential sales and um, it's lovely to see that uh, f- by, through a partnership where they came from working with the big boys spending uh, quadruple the amount of money in their yeah. marketing budget and um, that was one. Another one uh, was a Choice Hotels campaign we did last year where we wrapped a Jetstar plane. That was super that. fun. Yeah. So, you know – Is that like, expensive? Well, it depends because we got it on distress, oh, you see. So, um, <laughs> footnote, see? distress. Footnote, distress. A second part. The plane wasn't the distress, Rick, just no, so no, you no, know. No, it no, was, we're, um, we're, just and so neither were any of the members involved. No animals were harmed <laughs> in the production of that ad <laughs> campaign. It was just, but distress is that, that ability to go, there's some space here. We'll get it at, you know, virtually. It's almost like my analogy for that. Close your ears for a sec. It's a bit like the JB Hi-Fi $10, $2 bucket where this might have been a DVD that was 40 bucks when it came out. It's now worth $2 if you want to grab it now because it's available. Yeah. And I, I love that ability that you've got. But every, And here's the real point of difference. Any advertising campaign or any sorry agency could have that relationship, but you guys seem to have it for all the reasons you just talked about before because you've set yourself up to be very authentic, mm. very win-win. It, for us to do well, you don't have to do poorly. It's not, not a case of for my client to win, I have to screw down the supplier. For the supplier to win, I have to screw down my client. Uh, or for them to, to win, we have to do poorly. It's a case of we can all share in the abundance because we're abundant thinkers and we're, and we're offering an opportunity that wins it, you know, out for everybody. I think yeah. that's really the message. Oh, 100%. And look, sometimes you sort of come into the office and you think, you know, everyone has the days of, of feeling a little bit um, nonplussed yep. and just trying to find your energy. And, and for me, I'm really fortunate that I am exposed to such a diverse number of people yep. uh, that come through these doors every single week and the energy I get from people and their passion projects and being able to help them is just, for me, so invigorating. You know, mm. a couple of weeks ago I had a girlfriend of mine who I'd worked with um, on a PI show that I'd done for Carbone Lawyers, Nuiki Carbone, many, many years. And she's got her own 
project. It's called Behind the Sash, Sash and we're working on getting it to the networks at the latter part of this year. But this woman, you know, is travelling the world interviewing people in order to get them onto uh, the Mrs Australia uh, platform. Mm. So working with other women to really shine a light on some of the things that are happening around the world. And one of the things I saw that, again, I'm probably giving a little bit away, but um, for the pilot was a man who in China who was begging on the street and his sole purpose in life is to be a prisoner in chains by his owner. The owner beats him Mm. to a point where he has an exposed head and his whole life is about going and begging for money because of his injury and he's in chains and this is what's happening in China Mm. today but all we care about all we ever talk about is um, China and how much abundance there are and there is over there and etc etc you know I don't need to paint the picture but to be able to to be in the presence of a woman that is dedicating her life at the moment you know not making any money of it out of it but she's creating a 10-part series which you'll hopefully see on air at the end of this year that just talks about things that are really important Mm. and I just am full of admiration and I came out of that meeting and went gosh there's some great people in this world Mm. and I'm very fortunate to you know be exposed to to something like that but yet can walk into a meeting with the CMO of a major retailer brand and say, well, you know, their sales are down but, you know, these are the things that we're going to do in order to implement change and turn that around or reposition a brand or listen to startups that have a great idea about an application that they want to, you know, help keep women safe. I mean, there's just a plethora of different things that I'm exposed to and I feel really, really – I feel really lucky to be invited into – personal dreams at the mm. end of the day. Oh, it's and inspiring Yeah, hear that story and yeah. then you go into, as you say, a multinational that's doing incredibly well, although their sales are down, you go, kind of first world problem, we can fix that up, that's pretty easy, how to get a guy out of chains whose life is really sort of set for him in that respect, it's really, and that, that gets back to probably one of the last segues for our interview today, Viv, in terms of, you know, Gravia Media is not just a media company, you've got some amazing contributions that you give back and uh, nothing more exciting to me than Girlfriends of Gravia, maybe just talk us through that because I think, you know, this really just, I think, brings it all to a head about the sort of company that we're in, involved with right now, the sort of one of the founding directors that we're you know, speaking with on this pro- program right now. Talk us through the Girlfriends of Gravia. So over the journey of time, I found out that, you know, suppliers will invite men to golf days or um, trips over in, overseas to keep them tight and it's always male dominated um, events and as one of the sort of minority groups as a female stakeholder in the media industry I kind of was a little bit rebuffed by it (laughs) and and thought you know I have value why don't we do and I actually used to speak to the suppliers and say and, and 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 the directors of sales and say you know there are women that actually support this business and and not just stakeholders like myself. There are support staff that without them you wouldn't actually have, you know, a business. So maybe getting them to to shine a light on the female. And this was well before the Me Too movement. Anyway, I also understood that the power of connection with other women can really lift you. Mm. And as a woman we are so fortunate to be able to really express ourselves in ways that to date 
men still haven't learnt yet. I mean, even this morning I went for a run and I listened to women talking and it's always very emotive, emotive conversation. I listened to two men that were on their phones. One was talking about a deal and another one was talking about a negotiation. I went, <laughs> that's just so interesting. But the point that you asked me is, you know, women are so afraid to be vulnerable outside of select women. And when you open them up to allow that vulnerability, the power that comes from that and the energy that comes from that, understanding that it is a complex life that we are currently weaving for ourselves because women are fighting for equality, but yet at the same time are losing out on other uh, other parts of their lives. But being able to juggle the whole a work-life thing, being a mum, being a career woman. But then how does that fit in for a male? So for us, there's this whole drive for women to be bra burners and all of that, which I'm, you know, I'm happy to sit on the sidelines for that. For me, as a woman, I believe that our power comes from allowing men the opportunity to speak freely of their emotions so Gravia, the Girlfriends of Gravia is all about empowering women without disempowering men. So really understanding how we integrate together as genders but really as humans. Mm. So not having that differential. Mm. I mean we all know the difference between a man and a woman. Yep. But in today's society where there's so much crossover between the role of a woman and the role of a man at home, at work, how do we integrate and how do we communicate what that looks like and how do we value each other so that we can be the best we can be as individuals, as partners, as, you know, as team-orientated people? How does that look and, and how do we get better at it? Because it's not us and them. It's about unifying each other and women, we're really great at expressing our emotions and, um, you know, through times of adversity, that's where I go. The women lift you. The right women lift you. Yeah. Um, and men just haven't been afforded that yet. Yeah. And I believe that it's a woman's responsibility to challenge that status quo. I mean, you look at the suicide rates today, they're phenomenal, yeah. but yet we've never had more success and more abundance. Why are they so high? Because men don't yet know how to express how they truly feel. Yeah. As a woman, we need to teach that and we need to make it safe and we need to make sure that men don't feel a lesser human by being honest about where they're truly at. And so Girlfriends of Gravia is really about trying to express that message. Um, and we've been around for four years. so. And you meet quarterly and you have your big annual sort of We have an annual well. lunch every July. Yep. And, I mean, it's hard because everyone's busy, but at the same time those lunches are really – I was going to say you yeah. can't get a seat. So <laughs> I know everyone's busy, but everyone wants to Is that to a women-only lunch? It is. I mean, but I'm I'm happy to be challenged, and I, I partner with um, with men uh, in char in the charity side of things. But yeah, it it really is about women because then how do you differentiate and how yeah. do you yep. at this point? But again, I'm always open to change. But at the moment, it's a girlfriend of Gravy. But I've had gay men that really wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and no I don't discriminate, you I know. know. So um, because they get it, and they want to you know be involved. But so. I think the thing I hear there is it just ties back in so beautifully with your sort of business philosophy mm -hmm. about you know being. A, a contributor to the, to a space rather than just a taker of it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of relationships are all about let's go see what we can get from this relationship mm -hmm. and when you go to get something, you'll get something but you don't get everything. If you go to give everything you've got, you get so much more and that's what you, you guys are all about and I think you know, that's why it's important to touch on that I think, Pete, because uh, that's very topical and we're very passionate about the mental health space if that's even the right terminology to yeah. use. We've interviewed some 
really cool people on that. We've got some great interviews coming up. Well, it's interesting, Viv said before, that um, there are some really great people in the world. Well, we're very much in the fortunate position where we're in the room with one right Absolutely. now. And Viv, you're just you're incredible the way you go about not only your business but your life. And um, and, and, and just in closing, or, or last thing I'd, I'd love to sort of talk about is, is what do you do to sort of keep yourself on top, balanced, um, jumping out of bed in the morning, you know, raising children, doing all these sorts of things and still have such an incredible business as well. How do you marry that all together? And it helps that she doesn't barrack for the kangaroos, mate. So it helps. She's a culinary, <laughs> yeah, she's a culinary it, lady, so she it. comes in with a pep and a step most Monday mornings because yeah. we've had a win. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting one because I believe that life is perfectly imbalanced. It's never in, in balance and those people who spruik it are, are really not being honest I don't think or authentic authentic before, yeah. yeah so for me it I I have simple rituals I light candles every night um I and I put little visions under there and I put things out to the world I I'm a bit kooky and I put my <laughs> um on a full moon I put water out um to 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 sort of um invigorate the water and I drink that throughout the month um I run but my true my truest self is by the water, so I, yeah. I've always lived by the water, and certainly for my adult life. And uh, and I just take time, and I, I and I also try and let go of being so hard on myself. And I think there's so many things to do, so many places to see, so many people to see, and social media. I think sometimes is a bit of a bit of a, a death knock. So you can really spread yourself really thin and I think as you get older when you know your worth you actually only give your spirit to those people who give back to your spirit and um, and that's what lifts me you know so but really just being trying to always strive to be a better mum better business partner better partner better daughter always wanting to be better but also then accepting the things that you can't change but yeah the simple rituals are running I don't meditate, I'm terrible at it, but I do have conversations <laughs> with myself and I do try and be grateful because there's so many places that you can go and say, I don't have this. There's always someone going to be better than you. There's always going to be someone who's going to be worse than you. But just being grateful for the the simple things in life, I think is really, really key. So what's that book you've got there that you brought oh, in before? Talk so to cool. us about this. This is a bit dorky. But um, <laughs> as I said to you, sort of my my young adult life, I was always seeking things out. So I would hide in the um, the self-help sections of the, the bookstores because it was really uncool back then. And um, in my effort to be a high achiever, I've always ro- wanted to write a book. And like everyone else, you want to leave your mark on the world. And I just, this this book I've written, um, I wrote it years ago, and it's primarily for the children. It's not for, um, not for you know, all good bookstores. But it's a combination of my life's philosophies, you know. And, and actually, it's so interesting because I was flicking through it before I met with you guys today. I wrote it a few years ago. It's so important to keep revisiting things because mm. you think you learn a lesson and then you forget. And yep. it's always, you know, you've just just revisiting is really, really important because yep. that's one of the, the challenges I've had. You know, I, I've studied Buddhism and all the Oprah Winfrey and all of these, mm-hmm. you know, great um, mentors of life. But you forget the lesson, but you think you know it, but yep. you actually have mm. forgotten it. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so this was just some of – I thought if I died, my children would have a memento of my life's thoughts. Well, so. beautiful, <laughs> what a beautiful thing to do. It is, and Pete and I often talk about the fact that we're always searching for the new information, mm. new information, yet sometimes we just need reminding of the old philosophies that mm. got us here. And, and in moments of reflection, you think back and you go, wow, yeah, that is really – and I'm living it. I just didn't, haven't really given it the credit that it deserves because I haven't taken the moment to reflect on it. If, if someone was – 
listening to this podcast now and want to get in touch, what's the best way to sort of connect with uh, Vivian Ryan of Gravia Media? Now, Vivian at gravia.com.au or just Google us at Gravia Media and um, I'm pretty open. G-R-A-V-I-A, <laughs> Gravia yeah, you'll Media. You'll see an awesome, um, just Googling Viv, I saw the awesome um, uh, Gruen project uh, when you did that ad. Uh, that was just magnificent. That, that really so hurt to do that ad, that was by so the way. That was a few years ago now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, was. When you say it really hurt, as in? Well, because we were trying to put a ban on all advertising now. Yeah, that's, that's right. so, yeah, you know, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't fit in with you. But, but I you, think did it, you did it so well. It yeah. was so funny. And Pete, in just wrapping up, when Viv was talking about her processes there, it was really funny when she says, I do some dorky things or I do some things that don't sound right to the you know outside people. It's a bit like when Nathan Buckley said his pre-match ritual was he'd go to the movies and he would get a litre of Coke and uh, drink that and and a big packet of cheese twisties which is you know now looking back he just realized that was pretty bad from a dehydration point of view and a nutritional point of view but that was his process that set him up to play his best your process of doing what you do whether that be you know walking along the beach or whether that be sort of showing gratitude sets you up to win and i think we're all the better for it so in terms of gratitude we are grateful for this opportunity today Viv, because we know you're very very busy and we uh we could have done this anywhere but i can't think of a better spot maybe at the beach we could have done it overlooking oh, water but wow, we're um, just up perched beautifully up here in the heart of South Melbourne. But I would suggest to everybody listening here, if you've got some value out of this, please send us the feedback. We'll make sure that it gets to Viv if you don't want to directly give it to her. Why wouldn't you? She's an amazing woman. Uh, More importantly, she's an amazing leader, very authentic at what she does. And most importantly, she's enjoying the life journey and the growth opportunities. And she's a guest on the show, but she's also an avid listener, Pete. I don't know if you're aware of that. She's listened to probably just about every episode we've (laughs) we've done. Fabulous. I love what you guys do. And given given feedback. And despite that, I still kept you on. Um, um, no, she doesn't say that. Oh, Viv, it's just an incredible amount of passion, incredible amount of love. And I think importantly, the one thing we can all learn from is just an incredible amount of contribution that you give to this world. And, um, you know, it's been magnificent just spending um, a snippet of time with you. Uh, I can assure you we're going to spend a lot more time together because this is a sort of um, environment. You're the sort of person that, you know, a lot of people should spend a lot more time with. We'll have to uh, chat with Grant too because, you know, there's, uh, you know he's, he's got some valuable content. We can chat to everybody here except for Sam Farrah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only person we don't need. Thank you so much for having me. This has just been such a surprise and delight. Yeah. So, um, and keep doing what you're doing because there is a real place for voices of value so thank you so much I'm very humbled appreciate it and like all of the guests we've had on this particular podcast they all do it no not for the money because we don't pay them they do it for the uh, ability to give and share so we ask you to do the same if you've got some value out of this episode please rate it please share it please make sure your networks uh, understand that this is a weekly free download where free content is available from absolute world-class people like Vivian Ryan it's been Rick Rushton with my good friend Peter Kakos another great episode of Voices of Value we'll see you next week thanks Viv thanks Rick thanks guys we trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos their views are not necessarily those of the wider world but they should be If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com, and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. 
Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice and the value-added way.